The indie author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of, from getting over initial prejudices to staring down perfectionism and author imposter syndrome. We've become a force to reckon with. Now, after years of hustle and grind, we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place we're sowing the seeds of a better way. A way with more ease, abundance, and flow. Get ready to learn about indie authorship from a whole new perspective. We're about to cover everything from releasing your poverty mentality to manifesting your millionaire author destiny. I'm Carissa Andrews, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Well, hi there, guys. Welcome back to the Author Revolution Podcast. I'm really excited for today's podcast episode because today I am bringing on the show my friend, Carlisle Labuskakni. We've known each other for a very long time. We've run in a similar circle when it comes to the type of books that we write. I've even been a part of like a box set that was list aiming together, that was playing with fire back in 2019, which was really cool. And so what I found really fascinating about Carlisle is that not only is she super prolific, she has so many wonderful ideas and her imagination is just, it knows no bounds. But she's also been this like bright shining spot in the indie author community. She's always been sharing these wonderful posts about you know her trips and the things that she's doing, but in a way that makes you feel good. Like she, She's just a very positive person and it shows in her social media. So when we talked today, one of the interesting things that I found was that when she was you know hacked on Facebook, it brought down a bunch of those posts that she's so connected to. And she is like, it was so much a part of who she was. And it's been difficult for her to come back through like the experience and have new social medias, for instance, social media channels, and have that same kind of vibe and personality because of it. But the biggest part that we're going to be talking about today is overcoming the grief of losing someone close to you and then having that experience puts you in a place of like true funk. And you're now in a place of writer's block that just compounds. And I know for me, it was very difficult when my brother was, you know, diagnosed with cancer, obviously when I was little, but then again, when his cancer had reached resurfaced back in 2016, and we knew he was, you know, literally on his deathbed at that point. One of my best friends, Julie, she ended up being diagnosed with cancer, well, pancreatic cancer. So I understand, you know, a lot of this from a, a slightly different angle. Obviously, it wasn't my mother who was passing away, but I know the experience of grief really puts us on a trajectory that's hard to dig out of sometimes. And so if you've ever had to experience that, or if you're looking for just a little bit of guidance or hopefulness that you can come out of it, this is going to be an episode for you. I hope you enjoy and let's get to it. Well, hi, Carlisle. So I am so excited, first of all, that you're here and sharing your information and who you are on the podcast today. We've known each other for quite a while now. And I did share a little bit in the introduction about when we met and how that kind of whole thing came about. But for my audience who's new to you, would you like to share a little bit more about who you are as an author and what your journey as an author has been like? Hi, Carissa. It's so, so, so magnificently awesome to actually speak to you face to face. I wish it was real face to face time. Me too. <laughs> but I, think, I think it could get a little bit crazy. I think it could get a little bit crazy. 
So um, I started writing when at a very young age. I think I started writing when you start writing at school. Okay. And my aunt bought me a journal and I started journaling from grade one upwards. Wow. And I used to fight with my siblings to write their stories, their English stories for them. Okay. Um, cool. I used to bully my friends into letting me write their stories for them. That's the opposite of <laughs> bullying, so- Carlel. What are you talking about? They're usually like, do this thing for me. <laughs> Eventually, my sister's teacher caught on and she said, there's no ways that you are writing this because when we write stuff in, in class, it's not... It's not consistent. This is not you. <laughs> but my sister does write beautifully, by the way. So I was let go from work in 2011. Um, the whole company had folded in and my friend had bought me a DVD because my husband was away for on business and I was all alone. And she said to me, you have to watch this DVD. And I'm like, what is this? And I see it's got vampires on it. And I said to her, you know, I don't do vampires. She goes, no, no, it's not, it's not what you think. Just just watch it. So it was Twilight. And I watched that thing probably about seven or eight times. And then she phoned me on Monday morning and she said, you better bring my DVD back. <laughs> what are you talking so about? I brought my DVD I back. <laughs> and it was just a coincidence that I walked into my sister's room and my younger sister, she's about six years younger than I am, and um, she had the Twilight books. And I'm like, nope, nope, you've, you've stopped reading them. It's mine. It's mine. <laughs> and I just read that. And when I finished reading this, the saga, I was like, something's missing in my life because I've had my kids and my kids were, my baby was by then about three so it didn't need me as much and my other kid was seven so I felt like something is missing in my life and just Stephanie Myers made me feel like I can do this like it's really possible I can do this so I started writing my book in the process of me exiting the company because you have to go through exit process So I remember putting my baby to sleep and sitting in the bed next to him and typing until three, four o'clock in the morning while he's sleeping. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Just like patting him every now and then and just carry (laughs) on. And I think I wrote my first book um, in four weeks and I knew it was going to be published. And I did do the mistake of going with the vanity press. Okay. But um, I don't regret the process at all. Look, I was, I am in South Africa and the resources we have back then and now are different. So back then in 2011, we had no resources for authors of South Africa. Even a female, to think a female author can be an indie author was like it's taboo, completely taboo. Even here, um, it was like that. I took a course and we did, um, I did a little diploma in writing, creative writing. And then I started my book over again. And then I published it with this vanity press. And um, they actually opened the market for me and the book did really well. And yeah, the only thing was I did do my homework to see where they they distribute to so I made sure that they distribute to South Africa so I can see my book on the shelves 
So uh, my books landed in the shelves of all the bookstores here in South Africa. Publishers then asked me to draw a name for the second book. And then by the third book, I just kept on getting, you know, just writing and getting publishers. I don't do self-publishing. Um, I think I've self-published one book. Um, it's not going anywhere. Self-publishing is not for me. So I like to have a publisher do things for me. I write everything from science fiction fantasy. I've written romantic suspense. I've written um, supernatural suspense, which is about a girl who receives a heart from a serial killer and she gets urges to kill, but she helps the FBI to solve the crime as to where the bodies are buried. So that's, that's one of my that's favorite the one that's behind you? It's yeah. Tethered. And Very that's cool. the one that landed me the USA Today title that's and um, also the international best-selling title. And since then, I've done uh, Be So Beautiful. Such a pretty cover. Yes. And that was when my mom was very ill and she she just, she withered away for two years. She was very sick. I couldn't write. I had a mental block, total mental block. So I haven't published anything to this year would be my second year that I haven't published anything. Wow. But um, yeah, I am getting over it. Like you say, you manifest your own, you know, your own world, your own, you know, your own feelings. It's just you have to really go through something properly to come back to yourself to do yeah. what you need to do. Yes, that's that whole life brings contrast and you have to kind of be a part of that journey for a bit. And sometimes life does get in the way in, in the aspect of like, you have to settle into what you're feeling there for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So um, I've only now started writing again and um, I'm busy writing three books at the moment. Wow. Um, one is um, the sequel to a be so beautiful. It's called a love so lonely. And that one is about just over halfway written because I'm, you know, every time you go and edit your book, it just gets a little bit longer. longer. (laughs) It's supposed to be getting shorter, but that never happens, ever. (laughs) Never happens. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm co-writing a series with Adrian Woods. We've written two books now in the Forge and Fury series. That's like a really kind of slash supernatural slash warehouse 13 kind of stuff love it so how you're really a prolific author how many books do you have out now with all the anthologies I did I've got about 15 books but they're all assigned to different publishers so I'm all over the place um tether you won't find on Amazon and um dead of night you won't find on Amazon they're on reddit so I've contracted to them for three years. They've bought the rights to that for three years. And then if I write a sequel, it also belongs to them. Okay. So I get a nice advance for that. So yippee me. So I better get to that. Right. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, that's all my books. My On my website, you can see more or less um, Carla Labuskachny books.com so it's c-a-r-l-y-l-e 
And then Labuskagne is L-A-B-U-S-C-H-A-G-N-E books.com. You'll see my books there and they'll take you to the links to where you can find them. Otherwise, you can just hit me up on my author page. I was hacked, as you know. Yeah. That was a terrible experience. I still haven't got my page back. So you can find me under author Carla Labuskagne. So if it's a Carla Labuskagne profile and you see weird things on there and weird writing on there, bad English on there, it's not me. <laughs> oh, I hate when they when that sort of thing happens too, because it's like it can strike at just any moment and then you need to do damage control trying to get the whole thing settled. I know. I had and you've collected so many, you know, so many likes and so many followings on your pages to make an impact and then to lose it and to lose my Instagram at the same time. And as you know, I used to travel quite a lot, especially with my books. So I've been, I've been to New York. I've been to Nashville quite a few times. I've been to London. I've been to Paris and all those photos on Instagram and all of those photos I can't access like on the timeline as it happened, you know, so I'm a little bit sad. I'm actually very hurt about that. Right. What has that ex- that experience of traveling for your books been like? Like, how did that whole thing come about? Was it just you wanting to go and travel and share your, your books worldwide? Or was it through your publisher? Like, how did that happen? Um, well, the first time I went to Nashville was 2014. And um, a year before, I was following all the authors and I was speaking to them. So we were friends on the internet. They were, um, I was glad that I had the internet. Yeah, because I was so isolated back then in South Africa. There's no reading groups here. There's no, there's no, there was nothing here for me. So I had like Rain Thomas and Carol Coons and Heather Hildebrand and Chelsea Fine. They all became friends with me and I followed them and I watched them go to Nashville and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to do it. And I said, just like I said, I'm going to get my book published. I said, I'm going to go to Nashville next year. And my husband's like, where are you going to get the money? He said, I don't know. It's going to be there. You'll see. Yeah. So we took the whole family. We took the whole family to Nashville, including my two kids and my mother-in-law. And we stopped over at Disney World and we stopped over in New York. Wow. And we did it. Heck yeah. And um, yeah, I've been to Paris and I've been to London with my books. And I must say after Paris, I was, I, I went to Nashville four times and I went to Paris, then I went to London, but after Paris, I was kind of like done traveling. Okay. I kind of felt like I don't want to travel so far for books. I need to make it at home. So I made my own writing con. So we, I, we, I only ran it for two years because it became an issue with uh, the government. Oh, no. <laughs> because I was, yeah, I was collecting books for the underprivileged kids and they started getting involved and it started getting a little bit dangerous because it they wanted me to go to schools that are in areas that's not appropriate for people like me to go into okay so yeah so I said you know if I can't equally distribute my books to anyone I want to then I can't have the conferences anymore then I'd rather just stop if you're going to be like that but um 
yeah, traveling for your books is something unreal. I feel like when I was a kid and I had a checklist, I almost did everything I wanted in the checklist, just in a different way. Like I've walked a green a red carpet. Okay, it was a green carpet. <laughs> I had high heels on, I had my hair done, I had my makeup done, it was a wars evening, check done that a nice. few times. Yeah. And then I've been on the cover of magazine twice, check done that. Might not be the way that I wanted it to be, but it came anyway. So everything yeah. that I thought of and I wanted to do, I've done. That's great. Isn't it interesting how, like, as soon as you make that decision of what it is you'd like to see happen, it, it finds yes. a way to come to you. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's a voice that comes without doubt. So you say, it's going to happen. Yep. And you, you forget about it. And then all of a sudden, one day you find yourself in a, on TV in the studio and I'm singing to myself, is this really me? Is this really happening to me? Yeah, that's in the manifestational world. That's the locking in part. Like you make the decision, you lock it in knowing it's yours and then you wait for the evidence of it or take inspired action as it comes. So that's awesome. But I would definitely say that you have to put in some kind of effort to make it work. You've got to move in a certain direction to make it work. So if you've got your eye on that ball, and you know who the players are, you go for those players. Yeah. And you make it happen. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yep. It's all that inspired action that leads you there. It's it's like it almost feels like the next logical step is how it yes. kind of comes out. Yeah. And it never yes. it never has to be like super complicated the way that we make it seem. It it, it can just yes. come. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It can. Oh. And it's surprisingly, um, <laughs> I've really had a great career. I've had a great career. I've, I'm I'm, at peace at where I am at the world. If I don't write, I don't write. I'm sad if I don't write, but I'm writing. And so I'm very happy at the moment. So at the moment, my goal is just to write. I love and to that. Publish. Yeah, so that's, that's really key. For now. Yeah, yes. especially after something as big as losing your mom. So you said that you struggled for a little while with writer's block because of that. Like, how did you come out of, out of that place of writer's block so that you could start to embrace your writing again? Well, I actually had a, a talk with my doctor, believe it or not. And my doctor had said to me, um, how, would you, how would you approach it if your mother was looking down at you and seeing how you are behaving or what you are doing with your life right now. Sure. What would she be saying to you right now? Would she be sad that you're, you know, mourning her and, you know, every day struggling to get out of bed and every day you're struggling to do this and this and you're not yourself? Or yeah. do you want her to be proud of you every morning that you wake up and you do what what is difficult and I'm telling you there's mornings I would sit in front of the computer and I'd just be like ugh and I'd walk away and I would for weeks I'd just sit in front of the computer and stare at it and then it just came and then once I started writing and started writing and started writing now I can't stop yeah that's great that's that it's that momentum phase of it too you're able to get to that tap into your muse stream and then start the momentum of it I love that And you have to make sure that you do it every day or every second day and do quite a bit of it. Otherwise, you get lazy again. <laughs> right. It does, 
you, you do. You do actually get lazy from writing, from not writing. You you have to kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Build up your your strength again. Yeah, like a marathon. It's like a marathon. You have to start training again to start training your brain how to write for like two, three hours at a time, or so many words, or so many pages, or so on. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's kind of like if you take too long of a break, you almost question like, do I do I really remember how to do this? <laughs> do I really yeah. remember how to write this thing? Can I actually do it? And it's like once you get started, oh. it's no big deal. But it's like that yeah. pre-phase. Yeah. Yes, but my writer's block was so bad that I was writing and I'm not, I'm Afrikaans, I'm not English. So my um, tenses, I tend to swap them around. Okay. That's why I have like so many editors. <laughs> but um, in the beginning, I couldn't write. I just couldn't make a proper sentence. Like my editor sent something back to me and she said, I don't want to look at this garbage. She said, I want to take my laptop and I want to throw it into the into the pool because this is not you. This is not your writing. You must get over whatever is happening because this is not you. Oh, and that, wow. that pushed me further back into my shell and I've shelved that book, <laughs> but I will be, come back to it. <laughs> right? Because Man, that is not the way to motivate. Come on, editor. <laughs> I know. But eventually when I did go back to the book, I was thinking, you know what? The book's not that bad. Maybe she was just in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe she was in a weird place. Like, what? Oh, yeah, God. but um, it's really, it's, um, writer's block is real. It's, it's, you get blocked. You get up so blocked up that you actually cannot write. That you cannot write a proper sentence. You cannot write a proper paragraph. You cannot weave words together like you used to and you know when you're writing and you're like oh gosh this is magic it's working together so beautifully this plan is just coming together it's all coming together and yeah. writer's block you're just sitting there and you're writing and you're not feeling anything you're not connecting you you're disconnected and then it makes you feel even worse like it almost makes you feel like you're sinning if I can put it that way like I Ooh. felt ugly I felt ugh like it wasn't what you needed to be doing at that time. See, it's really yeah. interesting to me because when you when you look at it from the grief standpoint and like Abraham Hicks talks about the emotional scale. So if you're in still in grief, you are literally at the lowest end of the emotional scale, like as far as it can go down. And so there right. isn't a lot of inspiration from that place. And so in order to get to the inspired action, the inspired storylines again, you have to find a way to elevate your your energetic state, your emotional state first. And so when, yeah. you, when you're dealing with grief, it makes perfect sense in my brain as to why you wouldn't want to write, why you wouldn't feel motivated to write, why the ideas aren't coming, because you're not quite at the place of inspiration just yet. And if you, yeah. if you can elevate yourself, if you can get your emotional state up a little bit higher into like places of like um, even discouragement or worry or disappointment or overwhelmment, any, any of those, you're still actually going up the scale and you're getting to a place of almost to the the contentment almost to hopefulness and when you get yeah. there that's when when you kind of start cracking in those yeah. ideas and they yeah. can start flowing again but until you can push through that that emotional state where you're in grief it's it. really really hard it's like yeah. a thick, thick layer just to punch through that layer it can take quite some time i mean it's taken me two years yeah, it takes some time to heal sometimes, absolutely, especially from something as traumatic as losing a mother. 
Yeah. 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 I could definitely see that. And it's, you know, it's always those stages of grief and and those stages of allowing everything to kind of heal the way that they're meant to until you get back to feeling whole, back to feeling you, um, accepting the the new reality, I guess, that you have without that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I still get the days where I like, I'll have to phone my mom and tell her this. And then I'm like, oh. Right. <laughs> right. That would be so but, difficult. But I must say, I'm feeling a lot better um, after I had to talk with the doctor because I feel like my mother is watching over me and she yeah. does see what I'm doing. And now I feel happier that I actually felt like it break, like that's, that's something that was holding me back broke. And I don't feel so sad anymore. Good. Like when my dad and dad cries, then I don't cry with him anymore. Then I just say, Daddy, she is where she is, you know? And nothing we could have done could have changed us. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting how, like, when you get to that point, that breaking point where things do feel like it's okay now. It's it's so weird. I think sometimes we have this concept of it has to be in a... Uh, like the right time frame or the perfect amount of time has to have lapsed before we can feel happiness again when something like yes. that happens. And yes. I don't think any any of our loved ones would want us to to wait to feel joy, you know, but at the same time we do we do it to ourselves and we we try to hold ourselves in that because we want we want to feel the presence of that person and we want to remind ourselves I guess that they meant that much to us. You yes. know, yeah. So it's almost like we're self-punishing, but I don't think any of them would want that. I, I know I no, would. No, no, yeah. no. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. But it's but a- I'm glad I'm writing again. I am so glad to. How do you, how you juggle three stories at once, though? I have to understand this. Like I'm, um, I've done two, well, and it's been a struggle. Well, I write them at separate times. Right now, I'm focusing on Forged in Fury. Um, that one I've got a hundred pages of revisions left, and then I'm gonna to jump back to a love so lonely because i'm under contract with that one with the publishers and then um i'm probably going to pick the third one from a bunch of other ones because <laughs> <laughs> i have i have two that i've i've got two that i've about three quarters of the way written okay so yeah so you're gonna take one of those and kind of keep going at it chipping away yes. at it yeah, I'm just going to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Don't slow down. Yeah, absolutely. For me, yeah. I'm working on my new pen name. I'm starting up a new rom-com pen name. So I have that book currently in the works, but it's only about, it's it's coming up on halfway done. But I, I do have a story that is coming out in July that I promised my urban fantasy readers. So I have to start that actually tomorrow. It, so <laughs> it, it's like I'm going to be working on two different stories, right? So I mean, you can do it. At least there are two different kinds of books, so I think I can um, separate. Yes, yes, yes. No, it's actually amazing what your brain can do, and especially when you've got an audio book out and you hear someone read your book, and you're like, "Wow, did I write that?" Right, right. <laughs> like I can't believe that. Or when you read it back to yourself, or you read it um, live on your Facebook group, the group, and you think to yourself, I can't believe I wrote that. Right. Like, 
Yes. I love when that happens, when it's like, this is a good book. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird yeah, sometimes yeah. you can't forget. <laughs> Celebrate. Celebrate those wins because it's important. Yes. Get yes. more of the good stuff when you do that. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm so excited that you're writing again. I'm, I'm glad that you've been able to get your groove back after everything. I think it's it's so important to trust yourself too and and work through things when things like that happen. Because I mean, when I lost my brother in 2016, it was one of those situations where you just don't quite know, you know, what to do. But like the yes. entire family, the entire world kind of stops for a little bit. And that was in between in the in-between phase where I was still writing and I was learning about the the publishing realm. I had only published one book at that point. And I was getting oh, ready okay. to, to publish the next two in that series. And nice. yeah, it was, it was almost to me after I got over the initial shock of, of it happening, because when I was two or when he was two and I was five, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. So we've kind of grown, I've oh, grown up right. my whole life knowing that, you know, his life was pre- kind of precarious. Yeah. So when it happened, we kind of were like, okay, here's that thing we were so afraid of. But yeah. there was a lot of healing that happened too. Yeah, because of it. And it doesn't feel like you thought it would feel. No, it doesn't. It like, really doesn't. Like we could see my mom was dying. We could see her literally wither away within two years. And I'm like, I know the day is coming. I know the day is coming. And then yeah. the day comes and you're like. This can't be. <laughs> this is not how it feels. This isn't how it should be feeling. Yeah. So yeah. I know exactly what you mean. For sure. And it's interesting too, because it can spur you on to do more things too. Like, like your doctor spurring you on saying, is that what your mom would want? You know, we yes. can move back, move past it and beyond it by allowing like the, the loss of them to mean like for us and ourselves that we shouldn't waste any moments either, that we should move yes. forward and try to try to do things to the best of our ability with the time that we have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's really, that's really awesome. It's a kind of a gift when you think about it, how your mom has been able to kind of give that to you and the, and, and the gift even of the, the transition time. Like with my brother, his, his transition time was relatively quick. Like we found out, I mean, he, he had kind of struggled for a little bit with staying awake. And so we were noticing like there were some weird sleep patterns happening, but for the most yeah. part, he, he was pretty much his normal self. And yeah they went, he went in to have like a routine, can't remember if it was his routine MRI or whatever, but that's where they found the tumor within, it was like, I think it was within two weeks of them finding the tumors, he was gone. So it's weird when it's fast, but it's slow at the same time. Like for me, it's always been like, that's always kind of hung over our our lives. But then when you find out it was like so fast. So having, yeah, having the two years, as hard as it is to see people, I think, like, like you said, wither away in front of your eyes, it's kind of a gift too, because you can see it, you can, you can understand it and start processing it and know that it's coming. And, you know, it, even if it's hard, at least it yeah. it's prepared you a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm sorry so that, that that's a situation you had to deal with. Yeah. But I, I think, you are just a beautiful person. You've always been so wonderful at bringing positivity to the world. Every like when we first met, you you had to have been hands down one of the most positive authors I have ever met. Like on your social media and the way that you you do things. 
So I, I hope that uh, your light you. continues Thank to keep you. shining big the, the way that you have always done. You have, uh, she must have been an influence so in that aspect of it. Absolutely. So, oh, goodness. You, it's Thank just, you. yeah. Appreciate that. And you have such a unique take on the world too, with, like with your tethered book and with everything that you do, right? You have such an interesting mind, the way that you you comprehend things and then put them down on the page. I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing you getting back in the saddle and getting those books out. The next one's coming. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's so wonderful. And you must have put yourself down. You're also quite a talent. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to try new things and uh, experiment and see what kind of... But you're good at it. You're very good at it. Well, thank you. So are you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so where can my audience find you? Uh, I know you said your your website earlier, but let's repeat it so that if they want to find out more about your books and everything that you're doing, where do they go? Okay. They can go to my Facebook page, which is author Carla Labuskagne. It's L-A-B-U-S-C. H-A-G-N-E, and then carlylabuskagnebooks.com. So Carlyle is spelled C-A-R-L-Y-L-E, and then L-A-B-U-S-C-H-A-G-N-E, Carlylabuskagne. Awesome. You can just Google Carlylabuskagne, it will come up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> not not many of, of you out there, I don't think. No, there's not many out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carlisle, thank you so much. Yeah, right? <laughs> Carlisle, thank you so much for coming on to the Author Revolution podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. We finally had the chance to connect. Yeah. Yes, I had so much fun. So good talking to you. Wasn't that a great podcast interview? I don't know what it is about Carlisle. She just has this Number one, I love listening to her accent all day long. She has a wonderful accent. But just her personality and the way that she is is very encouraging. I love her to pieces. So make sure that you're checking out her different works. Check out her website. And I'll make sure that the website is in the show notes. I know her last name is a little bit difficult to pronounce, let alone try to write. So I'll have everything for you in an easy to go place. All you got to do is head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 194 and you can get it there. All right, guys. Well, I hope that this episode was inspirational, that it gave you some food for thought. If you are currently in a place where you're feeling a little bit lost because of grief or lost because something, you know, unexpected, like your Facebook page was hacked or something that you know that it's okay to experience those things, to still be human and go through it. Just don't linger there forever, right? You want to be able to experience it and be a part of it and assimilate the information, but grow as well beyond it and come back to who you are and what it is you really want to be and who you really want to be. All right. Well, I will have the transcript to today's podcast episode there as well. Again, it's authorrevolution.org forward slash 194, and you can download it there. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. I hope you're enjoying the last few (laughs) weeks of summer. We're already sitting here in August. So enjoy some time, get outside, experience some joy in your life, okay? Go forth and start your author revolution.
This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people. Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution Podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks, like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon.